All righty. All righty, all righty. Thank you, worship team. Welcome to CCF. Woo! We're glad you came tonight. Um, you know, for those of you who showed up last week and there was nobody here, sorry, we were at winter camp. Woo! Who went to winter retreat? Yeah? All right. We had a great time with other groups from around the Northwest, and we missed you. And if you were here, we hope you had a great worship time all by yourself. Or maybe there's a few others of you, okay? So we're glad um, that you're here, and we're all here back together. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is David, and I get to serve on staff here along with a lot of wonderful other folks. Um, And really just... You know, our heart as, as staff is to serve you and is really to help you thrive. Not just survive, but thrive while you're here at university. So one of the ways we're attempting to do that this quarter is through our series, Related. Um, and we're, we're talking through how do we flourish in relating to various groups of people that are, we find in our lives. So we've talked about relating to God and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about relating to the church And now we're going to start kind of a a two-part mini-series on relating to family. And so tonight we're going to talk about relating to parents. I know there's some parents in the house, yes. At least Michelle's dad's here. We know that much, right? (laughs) Know some of the staff. We are parents. Um, And then next week we'll talk, press it out, and talk about relating to siblings or to our, our, yeah, to... Yeah, whoa. So get ready for that one, okay? So now when it comes to this idea of relating to parents, um, you know, the staff put the guy up here with a lot of kids. That makes sense. So uh, my wife, Shelly, and I will be married 28 years in May. We have four kids right now. Yeah. It's a little older photo, so there you go. Um, and, but we're going to have six kids very soon. And it's not because my wife is pregnant with twins. That would be crazy. That would be a miracle, actually. Um, but it's because we're going to uh, be adopting our two foster girls, Almaloon and Estrella. And so, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So that's in process. So we'll have six kids, ages 24 to 2. So we're just like in the parent zone, over our heads in the parent zone, I suppose. The, the wonderful thing, too, is that Shelly and I have both sets of our parents are still living. And so that's pretty cool. So we are kind of on both ends. We are parenting, and we have parents. And so I guess I'm going to talk to you about relating to parents, okay? So when, when I think about uh, where you all are at in this kind of zone of uh, your college years, your late teens and early mid-twenties, um, I think there are some unique challenges uh, that you face when it comes to relating to parents. You know, this is kind of a, as I was you know, trying to get back in that zone, it's kind of a, a, a weird, murky, a little bit undefined middle zone where, you know, some of you, a few of you, are actually fully independent. You're on your own. You pay all your own bills, et cetera, et cetera. But probably the vast majority are somewhere kind of in between, where you're still sort of dependent on your parents 
um, and you're not fully adult in that sense, but you really are becoming your, the people you're going to be for the rest of your life. And so it's kind of this you know, weird zone. I'm, I'm gaining my independence, but I'm still kind of under my parents' authority a bit. And, and that can create some tension, right? Anybody experiencing a little bit of tension with the mom, the dad, the parent situation? Yeah. You don't, it, okay, right up here, right up here. Sister, we're preaching right to you tonight. Okay. We got, I got one person. <laughs> Morgan, we're going, you and me, we're going to preach. Okay. So yeah, I think it's pretty common. Uh, lots of questions arise like, Man, how do, I, how do I do this parent thing when I'm becoming an adult, but I'm still kind of under their wing a bit? Uh, what, what happens when I feel like they treat me like I'm 12? Come on, you know, and I'm not. And how do we negotiate that? And what do I do when I feel like Christ is leading me in one direction and my faith, but my parents really are, are not on board with that? And, and how, do I, what, how do you honor? How do you respect you're supposed to obey. When, when, when do I get to quit obeying and just respecting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of questions that go on. And so the good news is that the scripture has some things to say about that. Okay? And here's, here's the crazy thing. Jesus himself had to navigate this zone with parents. His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. And so we're going to take a look at an incident in Jesus's life, when he's kind of in that middle zone, he's not really fully become a full-fledged adult. He hasn't started his public ministry, and he's trying to negotiate mom and dad a little bit, okay? And so we're going to see how he did it, and hopefully we're going to learn some things. And, and you know, this could be a quarter-long series in and of itself, but at least we'll start the discussion for us, okay? So we're going to go to uh, the stories found in the book of Luke. So that is in the New Testament, the far right side of your Bible, and you have Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, okay? It's one of the, one of the biographers of Jesus. And so if you, wanna, if you have your Bible, you can go there. The words will be up on the screen. It's Luke 2, chapter, uh, verse 41 through 52. Chapter 2, verse 41 through 52, okay? And so let's, let's begin. We're going to jump in. Okay, so... Every year, Jesus' parents, he had parents, look at that, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem to the, uh, for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So let's stop there for a minute. So uh, there were three major festivals that uh, devout Jews would, would try to get to that were held in Jerusalem. Um, and those were Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And so they're going to Passover. And you would you'd try to get there, and it was held in Jerusalem. you just try to go from your hometown, okay? We're also told that Jesus is 12, okay? So he's 12 years old. And it's interesting, at 12 years old, um, at that time, a, a Jewish boy would be considered a son of the law, not a son of gun or a son of whatever, but a son of the law, okay? And really what that meant is that he's take that, it's at that point they begin to take on the obligations of the law, to obey God for themselves. Now, it's interesting, they're not fully an adult yet at that point. So Jesus isn't fully an adult. That happens at age 13. Yes, they grew up young and early then. At age 13, you were considered full-fledged adult, 
And that meant you were accountable. You had to like, this was on you to, to make this stuff happen. So Jesus is kind of in this transitional zone. I might even say a little bit like we find ourselves at in our college years. Yes, a little hard to go there. He's 12 and you're 18, 19, 20, but times are a little different, okay? So, um, so he's in this kind of murky middle zone, okay? So that's our setting. So let's, let's keep going on. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Uh Uh-oh. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, I I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but it always strikes me as, this is kind of odd. Like, what kind of parents are Mary and Joseph? I mean, come on, look in the back seat. Is he there? No, don't pull the car out. Or look in the back saddle, the camel, the donkey. He's not there. So we should probably stop and not, okay? So I think, I think something's probably helpful. A few things are helpful in this story that help us not just want to, you know, rage at Mary and Joseph, okay? Not, you know, we're not going to call CPS on them, Okay? <laughs> Um, most likely they were traveling in a fairly large group. The extended family were told that or their relatives. And in fact, oftentimes a whole bunch of folks from their village, the village that you were from would go and travel to these festivals. And so it wasn't just Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. It was probably a whole bunch of people, okay, traveling together, all right? The second thing that's probably helpful is that Mary and Joseph probably would not have, at least on that first day, have traveled together, okay? So it would have been customary for uh, the women to travel with the children and the men with the older boys. The women and the children would have left first, probably, and then the men and the older boys would have uh, left a little later and then caught up with them at the end of the first day. Jesus being 12, he's in that, where do I fit? Like, uh, I could go with the women and the children, I could go with the men and the older boys. So it probably was hap- what was happening is Mary is thinking, oh, Jesus is with Joseph and the older boys. And Joseph is thinking, oh, Jesus is with Mary and the younger children, okay? And so it really is this classic par- parent moment. And I've had this, and parents who are here know this moment, looking at each other thinking, I thought you were watching him. Well, I thought you were watching him. I wasn't watching him. You were supposed to watch him. And boom, boom, back and back, back and forth, right? And so there's this classic moment. Surprise, we've lost God. (laughs) We're entrusted with God, and we lost him. We're in big trouble here, friends. This is not good. This will not go good on the resume. We've lost God. Ah, Okay? So... And you kind of, you think about the three days. So they travel a full day. Joseph and the older, you know, and the older boys, they catch up. They check it out. Oh, he's not there. Surprise, surprise. We've lost God. Then they have to travel back a full day to Jerusalem. And then they spend a whole nother day till they find him. So three days. If you're at all a loving, decent kind of parent, that's torture. I mean, I'm just going to say that's torture. You know, I can remember when our oldest son, Josiah, hid from me for like five minutes out in the back alley. 
And I was about ready to have a heart attack, you know. Oh, so, anyway, okay, so three days. So let's keep on our story. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, oh, son, you're so smart. She said, son, why have you treated us like this? Have you ever heard your parents say that? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So it's quite a scene, right? Here's the 12-year-old Jesus interacting with the rabbis and the teachers of the law, asking great questions and engaging them and kind of just in this engaged conversation. People are gathering around. They're all in. They're, they're, They're going for it. And so into this scene come uh, a rather, I'm sure, flustered, panicked, uh, bedraggled Mary and Joseph bursting in to the scene. And everybody kind of looks up. And Jesus is like, what's up, mom, dad? Do we have a problem here? Yes, we have a big problem, Mary says. Oh, what have you, what have you done? What are you doing here? And so there's probably this great sense of relief that sweeps over. You know, and then there's like, I'm ticked at you. What in the world were you doing? Right? And you can hear kind of the tinge of uh, exasperation and even accusation in Mary, uh, Mary's voice. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So... I mean, the whole moment is lost on Mary and Joseph. I mean, this is an amazing thing, right? I mean, 12-year-old is like, he's in it with the professors and the theologians and just, wah, completely lost. They're just, what in the world are you doing? Get your rear over here. You know, right? Like, you're, you're in big trouble. What, why did you treat us this way? Now, later, it will find that Mary actually thinks about these things and, and treasures them in her heart. And, you know, she, she's, she's thinking about it. Um, I just want to say this. This is kind of a sidebar, but sometimes parents say things, and they're frustrated, and they don't get you, and they don't appreciate what you're into. And sometimes they just are kind of clueless about your life. I just would say, have some grace. Most parents really have a deep love and concern for you, even if they don't get you, even if all they can say is, what in the world are you doing? And so I think just having some some grace there. We're going to have some grace for Mary and Joseph and not just completely, you know, throw them under the bus, okay? So maybe that helps you as you think about your parents a little bit, okay? So we go on, and uh, here's Jesus' response. Well, why were you searching for me? fair question. I'm, you know, I'm 12 years old. Why would you be concerned, right? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Or another version says, about my father's business. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. That's a classic parent line. They did not understand. What are you talking about? <laughs> You've been gone for three days. You were in such trouble when you get home. Okay? So, and now Jesus' reaction is kind of shocking to me. I'm like, Really? Come on. I mean, come on. Really? Why were you searching for me? That's a little cheeky, even if you are the son of God, the son of the law. I mean, really? Come on. 
You know, there's no apology. There's no accepting of blame here. And really, this one, one, uh, one uh, theologian I read thought, made this observation. In fact, it looks like Jesus will go so far as to even take the name of Father from Joseph and give it to God. Because Mary says, your father and I were searching for you. And Jesus said, didn't you know I have to be about my father's business? Now, before, you know, we think Jesus is just chucking Joseph under the bus, so to speak, right? And I don't think we want to automatically construe Jesus' response as blatant disrespect for his earthly parents. I think we'll see it in a minute, okay? But it is clear that Jesus has crossed into a zone where his first identification of father is with God. And where his first priority was his heavenly father's business. And so uh, there's something pretty deep and profound happening in Jesus. His, his relationship with his heavenly father was, was primary. And he, it's really redefining the relationship with his earthly parents. And here's kind of, the, this is kind of the center point of our talk. And I want us to grab a hold of this because this is kind of the, the thing I want us to walk out of. And we're going to kind of apply this in some different ways. But here's the thing. Here's the key. As followers of Christ, we are to see the Heavenly Father as our primary source of parental love and authority. And in doing so, I think we'll figure out and find discernment and grace in how to navigate our earthly parents in kind of this crazy zone. The key to figuring out how to relate to parents is by identifying with God as Father as the primary source of parental love and authority in your life. We're taught to pray, Our Father in heaven. And so I want us to get a hold of that because I think that's, that's vital. That's, that's what I want us to walk away with. How do we relate to parents? How do we figure it out in all these complexities? We understand that God is Father. He is the ultimate source of parental love and authority in our lives. And if we'll start there, then we'll begin to find help and wisdom in how to navigate our parents. So Jesus was really stepping into uh, kind of a redefined relationship with Mary and Joseph. He made clear that his primary allegiance was to his heavenly father. And so I want to talk, and I'm going to talk to different groups of you now. So, uh, you know, they'll probably all apply to all of us at different points. But at this point, some of what I'll say will apply to some of you, and some of the other stuff will apply to others of you, okay? For some of you, I would say this, the way forward in finding healthy, maturing ways of relating to your parents, to do that will mean you're going to need to make it clear to your parents that your primary source of parental love and authority is your Heavenly Father. For some of you are in that zone right now of, of making that clear. I asked, uh, I asked Johnville, our beloved Johnville, if I could share a little bit of his story. Thank you, Johnville, for letting us. Johnville is one of our interns. Um, and I just thought his, his journey was helpful for us. Um, so last year at this time, Johnville decided to do the internship. He's finishing up his finance economics degree and, and God called him to do the internship. And that's a whole other story. You can ask him about that. But part of the struggle was that to do the internship would go against the wishes of his parents. 
Now, for some of you, that wouldn't be an issue. You go against the wishes of your parents all the time, and you don't think one, <laughs> one iota about it. And to you, I have some things to say just a little bit later. Okay? So hang with me. But for Johnville, this was, this, this was a big deal. He, he, he loves his parents. He wants to, you know, he wanted to please his parents. He's a dutiful son. Uh, he deeply valued their opinion, their input. He talked with them. But it was apparent that their vision for his life just simply was different. Like, they wanted him to go, use his finance degree, go make some bucks. The idea of being an intern and asking people for money just wasn't, they just weren't there. And they just couldn't really sign off on the thing. And so there was quite a, a wrestle for dear brother Johnville in this decision. But in the end, he knew that ultimately... His ultimate source of parental authority in his life was the Heavenly Father. That he had to be about the Father's business. And the Father had called him to do this thing. And he knew that to do that would mean he would have to go against the wishes of his earthly parents. I think it was a, 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 a coming to maturity and adulthood for Johnville. And it redefined, in very good ways, his relationship with his parents. Changed in some dramatic ways. And I think for some of you, you're right in that zone right now. Um, your parents maybe aren't understanding you're, you're involved with what? Uh, CC who? And, and you do what? Uh, and you're excited about Jesus. And, uh, and it might even be creating some tension with parents. You want to do what for your spring break? You want to go to the inner city of San Francisco? That sounds dangerous. Why don't you come home and be with us? We love you. We'll feed you, right? Um, you want to stay another year in the residence halls? Because why? Because it's so cheap. What? I don't understand. I'm paying for you, you know? Uh, you want to raise some, I don't, you know, you want to lead a core group? How much time is that going to be? You're having these kinds of conversations, right? You want to do an internship? You want to give a year after you graduated overseas? Oh, my goodness. We've got to have a talk, right? Some of you are having those kinds of conversations. And like Jesus, like John Will, you're going to need to see the Heavenly Father as the primary source of parental love and authority in your life. That the, that the, the obedience to God comes first. And that, at times, can, can rock the boat with parents. And we're very aware of that. And as your pastors, we want to help you with that and give input and pray and, and help you, okay? And Jesus will help you because he had to do that with his parents. So, now having said that, I also want us to realize that living under the parental authority and love of God, our Father, uh, will mean we will always honor our parents. We will always respect them. And especially in this zone where for many of us are still under the umbrella of their authority, we will be called to obey them. So let's talk about that. That's, that's for, for some of you, okay? So let's look at the passage. Okay, so Jesus is you're like, why were you searching all this stuff? We go on, verse 51. After they kind of, you know, got that all sorted out. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them. And was obedient to them. Hmm, interesting. So he's just asserted, God's my father. I'm going to do his business. Okay, let's go. I'm obedient. Here we go, right? I mean, you know, 
Now he is 12, so he's in a full adult yet. And so that was, of course, what the law would call him to do. And he was obedient to, you know, to God's command. Jesus went with him and was obedient. So the scripture does call us to honor our parents. The scripture calls us, while we're still dependent and under their authority, being supported by them, to obey them. Now, the scripture says, in the Lord. So if your parents are asking you to go mass murder people or do heinous, immoral things or to fundamentally betray your allegiance to Jesus, we're going to have to have, you know, some negotiation there. But in most things, in most things, we're to obey our parents as long as we're living under their authority. And that means they're writing the checks. They're paying for things. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right? So for some of us here, we need to really seriously embrace that living under God's authority means respecting the authority of our parents and submitting to them. Can I say that? Does that just sound like an old dad thing to say? It's really biblical, so I'm just going to preach. You know, if you have trouble with that, you go, you go talk to Jesus in the Bible, okay? So I want to tell, uh, uh, there's another, uh, this is years ago. Uh, we were, uh, Shelly and I were going to lead a, uh, a summer mission trip to Argentina uh, when we had, we had summer mission trips. And it would be like a four or six week trip down in Argentina. So I was interviewing people for the team. Um, and so I was interviewing this one gal who was a leader in our community. She was great. She was motivated to go. She would have been a tremendous asset to the team. But it came out in the interview that her parents, who were not Christian, did not want her to go. And they were paying for her school. And they had this agreement that she would work during the summers to help, you know, with the cost. And she really wanted to go. And they really didn't want her to go. And they'd had lots of conversations. And so our decision on staff, we told her to stay home. We said, we want you to stay home. We think your parents are the mission more than the mission trip. We think that obedience to God in this matter means obedience to them. This means honoring them. You still live under their authority. That was very hard for me to say. And very hard for her to hear. And she was shocked. She's like, are you for real? I'm like, yeah, I am for real. I'm convinced that this is what it means to honor God. In this case, in this case, I think you need to stay home and do what you've agreed to do and do what they ask you to do. It wasn't a very popular decision we made, okay? I want to say this. We must never let our faith in Christ be an excuse for disrespecting or dishonoring our parents. And it can never be an excuse for kind of an unthinking, casual, flippant disobedience. I just answer to God, so whatever. We are not allowed to do that, to relate to our parents that way. There are times when we, especially when we're still under their umbrella of authority, that we need to obey God by obeying our parents. Now, there's times we'll be called the other way. And, and again, this is tricky stuff. This is why it is tricky. I get it. The, you know, I mean, this text is tricky. Jesus is like one minute saying, ah, God's my father. I can do what I want. You know, and the next minute it's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Got my bags. We're going back to Nazareth. Sweet. Okay, that was fun. Let's try that again next time, okay? So it's tricky, all right? And, and, and you know, my encouragement for you is 
What does the Bible have to say about that? So we do some searching of the scripture. We pray about it for each other. Um, and we get counsel and input. And we don't make these decisions lightly. And we're here to you know, try to help you with that. Okay? So just, let's just stop where are we at? And then I have one more thing I want to say. So God, our Heavenly Father, invites us to see Him as the primary source of parental love and authority in our life. And if we do, that will help us navigate the tricky, murky zones that we find ourselves in with our parents. For some of you, I've said, that will mean making decisions to be about the Father's business that might rock the boat a bit with your parents, might risk being misunderstood, might risk upsetting them. Not because you're trying to rebel or be ungracious, but because you're trying to live under God's authority in your life. For others of you, it's, it may be different. It means that you've been trying to be independent and be your own person, but you haven't deeply loved or respected or really considered what it means to, to be obedient to your parents and to love them. Some of you coming out of tonight, you might need to write a letter to your parents or give them a phone call and say, you know what? I was kind of a jerk. I apologize. You know, at least I wasn't very respectful in that conversation, and you deserve more than that. Some might need to do that. Some of you, there's a particular thing right now, and the Holy Spirit's put his finger on it. It's like, you need to obey. You just need to obey. To do this is to obey me. And others of us, maybe it's just, we just need to think about honoring our parents. Just like, you know, good old mom and dad, or whoever is parent for you. And appreciating them, because they've given up a lot. We have a saying, thank you never goes without saying. So say thank you. Say thank you. That is a great way to honor your parents and to relate to them. Okay? So I want to close with this. One more group that I think I just want to address. You know, I'm aware that there are those who come from really tremendously broken homes. So where the words father, mother, parent just evoke a lot of pain. That you have lived with very little love from your parents in your life. Uh, authority was something that was misused and abused in your situation. And really, you're just glad to be away from mom and dad or whatever. And it's for your own emotional safety and sanity that you're just at some distance. And so to you, I just want, I want to bring a word of hope, okay? Um, our earthly parents are not the final word when it comes to family, when it comes to father, when it comes to mother, when it comes to love. You're not fated by your family. You're not destined to repeat your family. The wounds from your parents do not need to be permanent, Through Jesus, we are invited to experience the parental love, the full weight of the Father's love in our life. We're invited to let the Father redeem the words family, father, mother for us. We're invited to live under the perfect love of God the Father. We're invited to experience authority Someone who's in charge in a way that is done with deep esteem and respect and is never misused. Because that's how God handles his authority. In Jesus, we're invited to let the love of God heal us, 
to work so powerfully in our life, and I really believe this, to work so powerfully in our life that, that, that those who have most deeply wounded you, you have the power to forgive and find a new way forward in that relationship. That's the love of the Father embraced in our life, when God becomes our Heavenly Father. And I know for some of you, you go, that just sounds impossible. That's just no way. You don't know my story, and I don't know your story. But it isn't impossible, because with God, all things are possible, right? That's what the Scripture says. When the love of God comes into us, it opens us. When we become a part of His family, it opens up all kinds of amazing, good things that can help restore what seems so broken, that can help us relate. And I just wanted to be aware that I know that as we go this Friday and next Friday, this touches some sensitive stuff. And I I just want to make sure we hear the invitation to know the Father's love. Some of you, you haven't even actually met the Father. You haven't started a relationship with Him. Jesus wants to introduce you to a Heavenly Father who will help you with all kinds of things and will heal you and love you, will lead you with His authority, but will also help you figure out family and parents. And so if you haven't even started a relationship with Jesus, this would be a great night to get it rolling and get, get in on a Heavenly Father who is amazing. Okay? So I'm going to invite the worship team up now. We're going to just respond. You know, this talk, it takes us in all kinds of different directions. Our main idea is that, that um, we are to see the Heavenly Father as our primary parent, as our primary source of love and authority. When we do that, we'll begin to understand how to figure out the tricky intricacies and complexities of our families and of our parents. And that takes, you know, many of us different ways because we're in just very different situations. And and parent and mom and dad or whatever parent is for you, it's just really different. And so there's some different ways that we may be, the Lord may be urging us and inviting us to respond. So I'll just put some questions up there for you. And you can look through those and let the Holy Spirit kind of underline one for you. Is there a situation where you're being called to be about your father's business and you know it's going to probably rock the boat with your parents? Jesus is with you. He'll help you. Is there a place where you've disrespected your parents? And it really demands an apology. It demands making it right. That's what it means to live righteous, is to be rightly related. Is there an area in which you just, God is saying, you need to obey your parents in this. It's obedience to me when you obey them. Is there a way that all of us could honor our parents? And is... Do I need to experience, and maybe for the first time, really the hope and the healing of the Heavenly Father's love, maybe because of uh, my past? So I'm just going to let us sit with these questions for a little bit, just silently. If you have a journal, it's a great time to pull it out and maybe write down one of the things that's speaking to you. Write some thoughts, pray a prayer, or you can just sit silently and kind of let the Lord begin to speak to you through it. And we'll sing a song and, and close it out.